I'm going to read from a passage in Matthew 19 and a passage in Matthew 21. Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. And the second passage, Matthew chapter uh, 21, starting at verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to him, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. This is God's word. Let me just pray for us. Uh, God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we today we not only get to hear your word, but we get to see your word as we see the sacrament of baptism. And I pray, God, that in all of these things, the Holy Spirit would be at work um, not just teaching us, but uh, forming us and revealing to us something about who you are in your grace and in your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so for uh, Good News Church, I guess we are taking a little bit of a break from our series in the book of Acts. And uh, last week, uh, Pastor Fred preached from Exodus. And today, I'm preaching because of this baptism. Next week, we're in Prospect Park, and next week also happens to be Father's Day. So I thought, let's make it like a theme. And next week, uh, I plan on giving a message maybe related to the theme of fathers. But today, what we're going to do is we are baptizing three babies. And so I thought we can reflect a little bit on children today. Now, not all churches do this, but one of our practices, because we come from a Uh, a certain theological tradition that believes that we should be baptizing infants. And when we baptize these infants, we're not saying that uh, they're getting salvation through baptism because they still do need to have their own faith in Jesus Christ. But what we are saying is they are part of a covenant community, and therefore the promises of God are for them. And obviously parents have the greatest responsibility in terms of discipling and raising their children in the faith, but the church community also has an important role to play there too. And that's why when we baptize these babies today, not only are the parents going to make vows, but I'm going to ask the congregation to make a vow uh, to play a role in supporting and nurturing the faith of the babies that we are baptizing today. Just to be a little bit reflective, you know, when people in our church started to have children, And uh, now we have some of the the older kids who joined us from worship. Uh, So it's kind of cool to see like the progression of what's happened all these years. But when people in our church first started to have children, we we had to decide, okay, what are we going to do when people have kids? What are we going to do with children in the life of the church? And, you know, we could have had like a separate children's ministry and then just you send your kids somewhere uh, before service starts so that like parents can worship with other adults and like kind of have a nice, you know, comfortable worship experience and I think at the time my guess would be that people probably prefer to have that separate program and not have children join us in the beginning of worship so that uh, worship could be peaceful and you kind of feel like you're getting more out of it because you're not so distracted by your kids and my guess is maybe uh, a lot of you also want that now too Uh, because you know it's very difficult 
to focus and to engage in worship when, you know, your kids are crying, they're asking you for something, they're asking you for a snack, they're like walking and wandering all over the place. And uh, I, I was telling um, Melvin and Rebecca this week, you know, once you have kids, you start to get shifty eyes when you talk to people. And uh, like you're, you're talking, having a conversation, but you're also like looking over here. It's like, what is my kid doing? Right? So it, it kind of completely changes the dynamic of... Uh, of your experience of church and community. So what we decided is our children would stay with, with us in the first part of worship so that they can, you know, experience, not only experience like what it is to worship God together as a church, to also see their parents worshiping, and to also give them a sense that, you know, this is not my parents' church, but this is my church too, right? This is our church together. And in the worship service, it's not something that like, Uh, I'm not supposed to be a part of, but even as they grow up, I want them to feel like this is my worship service too, and I should be a part of this, and I should be engaging in this. And of course, before the sermon, we dismiss them so uh, they can kind of learn more age-appropriate lessons, but we wanted to include children, at least in some aspect of the worship, not only to communicate to children that they belong in worship, but actually for adults as well that hey, children are a meaningful part of this spiritual community. It's not just adults who engage in worship, but we want to disciple our children. And when I say our children, I'm not talking parents and our our children, but our children as a community, right? Our children to engage in worship as well. And we want them to participate in the liturgy as much as they can, as much as appropriate for their age. And the hope is that over time, it kind of has some kind of formative impact on cultivating their faith. And the hard part of that is it's uh, very much playing the long game. Right? You don't see immediate, <laughs> immediate results, but we're hoping like by the time they're teenagers or even by the time they're in college, that kind of the experience of worshiping um, you know, with their parents in, in this worship service is impactful. And I know for some of the older kids who just started joining us this year, Uh, I know when I preach, right, you tune out and you don't always follow what I'm saying, and that's okay, right? It's not always about, to be honest, a lot of the adults are doing that too, right? Uh, It's not just about, right, learning stuff, but just kind of getting the practice of sitting here and uh, learning what it is to receive, right, what God is saying through his word in preaching and kind of build those habits. The cool thing is, like I said before, Right, this past year, we finally got to experience some of the older boys coming up and joining us in worship. And now we kind of get to see, like, for the younger kids, like, where, where we want this to be headed and how we want our kids to kind of uh, play a meaningful part in our uh, church community and namely, right, as we worship together. We want to hear their voices singing as well. And we want to see them serving in, in various ways as well because this is their church too. And as they begin to have their own experiences, start to process their own thoughts, have their own questions, have their own emotions, engage with the world as they do, have their own struggles. Our hope is that they will at least have like this foundation that is laid and a starting point of faith that can inform them uh, how they could process some of these things. Now, just because they join us in worship doesn't necessarily mean that inevitably they will have a personal faith and a personal relationship with God. And that's why as a church, we also have to continually pray that the Holy Spirit fills them and gives them this gift of faith because faith is a gift. It's not something that we earn, but it's something that is given to us by God. 
And at the very least, we want them to have as much exposure to God's word and his gospel as possible. So today, I want to take a very quick uh, look at these two passages and give a very simple message and basically look at two things. First, what kind of attitude should we have towards children? And second, why are children spiritually important to us? Okay, so what kind of attitude should we have? And why are children spiritually important to us? First, what kind of attitude should we have? Now, I think New York is one of those cities where it's actually okay to dislike children, (laughs) right? Uh, I I think it makes sense uh, to not want to have children, and it's like kind of socially acceptable uh, in the city to be like, yeah, I don't want to have kids, right? Uh, Because the truth of the matter is kids are, you know, pretty disruptive, and they're loud, and they're messy and they spill things and they drop things and they have like the biggest meltdown for like the smallest reason. And when that happens, they can be inconsolable and they say inappropriate things all the time. Uh, I was uh, I was with Karis yesterday. We were coming. We went to like Paris Baguette to get some like Korean bread. And the cashier had like all these piercings all over her face, right? In her nose and on her lips. Oh, it's not it's not a bad story. Uh so I was, like, a little nervous that she was going to, like, comment, like, right in front of her, right? But she didn't. And then when we, as soon as we walked out the door, she was like, um, hey, why did that lady have so many holes in her face, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, because we had to teach her that because in the past she would just, like, blurt out those things in front of people. Uh, and then she said she was so beautiful. So I was like, oh, okay. Does that mean she wants to get a lot of piercings in her face? Maybe, right? Uh, as long as she has faith in Christ. I guess I don't mind. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> right? So uh, right, kids can do that, and they can kind of, you know, sometimes uh, in their innocence, like inadvertently insult people too, right? So uh, maybe there are some people uh, in this world who think like all that noise and chaos and disorder and disruption from children are like really, is like really cute. And uh, I think, those people have to be in the minority, and if there's people like that in this church, tons of parents want you to babysit for them, right? I'm going to go out on a limb and say most people probably uh, find children to be uh, annoying at times, which is not to say that we don't love them and we don't enjoy them, right? But there's definitely moments where we kind of just find them annoying and want them to, like, you know, get out of our way, <laughs> I think that that, that's probably the default perspective in the ancient world. In the ancient world, children, uh, they kind of, like, were very low in status, were kind of disregarded, were seen as unimportant, and probably just got in the way of things. And that's why in Matthew 19, you know, when children are being brought to Jesus so that, uh, you know, he might lay hands and pray for them, the disciples They've rebuked the people for bringing their children. It's as if they're saying, hey, come on, Jesus' time is precious. Don't waste his time by bringing all these children to him. And they didn't view these children as like significant, precious members of society. They, they viewed them as a nuisance. But here's the thing. Look at how Jesus responds, which informs us how our attitudes towards children should be. He says this, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Jesus extends an invitation to children, and by extending that invitation, 
He is saying the opposite of what his disciples seem to have assumed during that time. Jesus is saying, hey, look, children, they're not a nuisance, and they're not a disruption to me, and therefore I don't want anyone to hinder them from coming to me because to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. I think we should, or the church should, share the same attitude as Jesus with respect to children because no matter how disruptive they can be, or how troublesome they can be, we should make every effort that we do not disrupt them from coming to Jesus, from coming into his presence. And again, one of the ways we try to express that sentiment is by making sure we include them in our worship. From time to time, you know, even in our worship, we might address children specifically and directly so that they know, hey, we're talking to them because they're supposed to be here. We want them to participate as much as they can And uh, we want them to know this is their place of worship. Now, second point, but why are children spiritually important? And I would say spiritually important to us, to adults, to the church. In Matthew 21, in this passage, the chief priests and scribes, they have a very negative reaction to something that the children say. Uh, They react indignantly because the children are crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, these chief priests and scribes, they're not indignant because for the same reasons that the disciples maybe were annoyed with the kids, bring, uh, parents bring their kids to Jesus. They're indignant because what these children are saying, they're giving words of praise specifically to Jesus. Why are the children saying this? Hosanna to the son of David. There's actually a larger context. It's probably because they heard other people shouting this. At the beginning of the chapter, it's the Palm Sunday chapter. Uh, or passage, and that's where Jesus enters into Jerusalem on a donkey, and what are people shouting? When Jesus comes in on a donkey, they're shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And they're excited because Jesus is the Messiah who will be king like David and bring restoration to the kingdom of Israel. And uh, we'll return uh, in a bit to the theme of Palm Sunday. But the children probably saw these other people shouting at Jesus. They probably observed them shouting Hosanna. And therefore, when they see Jesus in the temple, right after he actually gets really angry and overturns uh, the tables because of the money changers and says, uh, you turned this place into a den of robbers, right? The children start to say Hosanna, right? Hosanna to Jesus. And that's why the chief priests get angry. And what is Jesus' response to that? Well, he quotes a psalm, the same psalm we began worship with, Psalm 8, which says, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And Jesus' response is so interesting on a couple levels. First, who knows if these kids really understood what they were shouting in the temple when they said Hosanna. They just saw other people doing it and... Maybe they imitated them, right? Maybe they imitated their parents. Uh, In other words, they didn't necessarily have a kind of self-awareness to know what they were doing, and they certainly didn't know who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing at the time because nobody knew what Jesus was doing at the time. They had completely different expectations of Jesus at that moment. And yet, Jesus receives their cries of Hosanna as the praise of infants and babies. Second, If you look at what Psalm 8 says, which, again, we read in our call to worship, it is very, very radical in what it's saying. Psalm 8, 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength 
because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. And that language, of course, is warfare language. And in a typical battle, what do you expect? You expect the one with the strongest army, uh, the best military, to be the one to still the enemy and the avenger, right? But what God is doing is this, he's emphasizing something different in this psalm. It's saying that God is so powerful that he even uses the weakness of babies and infants as an instrument of his triumph, as a means of his victory. And that connects us to the theme of Palm Sunday. You know, Jesus doesn't come riding in on a mighty steed as you would expect uh, a majestic king to come in, but he comes in riding humbly on a donkey. And how does Jesus demonstrate his kingship? Not through political power or military might. He demonstrates it by dying upon a cross. You see, victory and salvation came to us through weakness. Weakness and defeat on a cross. And likewise, that's how we gain access to the gospel, to God himself through Christ. It's through weakness. And herein lies the spiritual power of children. If you are a parent or if you are an adult, you naturally assume children are there for you to teach and to instruct. And to be sure, that is true, right? As an adult, you do have to teach them. You do have to instruct them. But children, and I would say specifically babies in this context, have something to teach us as well. Babies are helpless creatures. They are fully dependent on their parents just to survive, right? Without someone uh, taking care of them, uh, feeding them, changing them, dressing them, they won't make it in life. They need somebody to take care of them. When we were babies, or when we see babies, uh, you know, we say, oh, what a cute baby. We should think that, but you know what we should also think spiritually? That's who we are before God as well. There is a helplessness in us in that we can't save ourselves. We can't give ourselves life. Uh, we can't forgive ourselves. We can't resurrect ourselves. Only Jesus can do that. We are like helpless babies before God, and we depend on him for all things. And that is why Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to children. We don't earn it through our moral goodness. We don't obtain it through our might and strength and power. The only way to obtain the kingdom of heaven is actually to receive it like a child. And that presupposes we have a God who is gracious and willing to give it to us freely. That presupposes that we have a God that we can depend upon, lean upon his work, and receive his grace in order to receive the very things we need and deep down, the things that our hearts long for. The older we get, the more challenging it is to be dependent creatures, and I think that uh, works out spiritually as well. The older we get, we do become more self-dependent, and in a sense, that is a good thing uh, to be a functioning adult in uh, society. I guess, right, you do want to have some level of uh, independence, and that's what parents probably try to raise us to do. Uh, but spiritually speaking, we don't want to carry that over to our relationship with God. We don't want to lean on our own understanding, our own abilities, and our own strength in order to achieve the things, the spiritual things that only God can give to us. And when we look at these babies, it should remind us this is not only who we are before God, but this is also how we should be before God. 
as we see these baptized uh, babies getting baptized today, there's a uh, reciprocity to observe here. The congregation will promise to nurture them in the Lord so that they grow up knowing the gospel in what we teach and seeing the gospel in also how we live out our faith. But also, I want you to think as you look at these babies and how helpless they are being held and carried by their parents, recognize the kingdom of God belongs to babies such as these. That we are helpless, helpless children who need to depend on the grace of God alone for life and salvation. Let's pray. Uh, Maybe uh, as I pray, if someone could let, yeah, let them know. So the children are going to come in in a moment so they can see baptism, but uh, let me pray for us. God, we uh, thank you that you have shown us uh, Jesus' own disposition towards children and how uh, his heart is always to be open and to welcome children into his presence, that children are not uh, a nuisance or a disruption, uh, but that they are to be fully welcomed and that we are not to hinder them from coming to you. Uh, We pray for our kids and we pray that the Spirit would be working in their hearts and cultivating and nurturing their faith. We pray that as they see the life of the church community, that they would not see uh, perfect people, but that they would see a people who likewise are children before you and depend upon you. And we pray, God, that together uh, you would build up this body and remind us of the grace that we have in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.